0: You're listening to a podcast of Red Sea Church, a community of faith in Portland, Oregon, where our mission is to draw to Christ, develop in community, and deploy into culture. Uh, good morning. Glad you guys came out and are are hanging out with us. Uh, we're working our way through uh, the books of Luke and Acts, and so we kicked off Acts uh, just uh, maybe six weeks ago, and uh, and it's been a really cool journey to walk through it and uh, and to be really simple about the idea of we want to we want to do what the Scripture tells us to do, you know, like let's just be obedient to, to that. Let's let's just do it that way, uh, and so today is another step in that for us because as we go through Acts six, we're going to look at. The, uh, the foundation or the establishment of, of the first deacons that you ever see um, in, in the Bible. And so we want to walk through that as a church and really say what is a deacon, what does it mean to be obedient, and why are they important. Yes, ma'am. Oh, I'm sorry. Somebody else asked me about this. So this is, uh, if you went to the Compassion North Portland Medical Dent, Dental Clinic, I, I, wasn't, I was there. No one explained the shirt to me. Does someone else that was there understand? what? The, I think I know what it means. Yeah. yeah. At first I was like, Jesus loves eyes and teeth. And, and I was like, no, I think it's medical, dental, optical, and love. That's what we did at the, at the clinic. So good point of clarification. Anything else about my appearance that I would need to address right now? Um, and so uh, we're going to be talking about deacons because we believe uh, the deacons play a very vital role in the health of the church. Uh, it's very... Uh, easy for the church to become inwardly focused. Uh, and I think that's part of us as Americans, especially living in a very consumeristic culture. We all came to Red Sea because of preferences that we had uh, based on proximity, uh, style, worship. If the guy speaking wears a t-shirt with funny things on it, if he wears a suit, you know what the, what their method of discipleship is. Do you have Sunday school classes? Do you have home communities, all of these things are our preferences that kind of helped us make the decision in a lot of ways on, on where we're going to go to church. Now, those aren't a bad thing, but they can very easily, uh, church can become about us, right? Can, can become about our preferences. And so we have all these preferences, which we chose because we're consumers. Um, we approach church thinking that there's a variety of churches out there. I'll just need to find the one that fits for me, that works for me. That's part of uh, you know, going to a grocery store, there's just 10 different varieties of mac and cheese, and you get to pick whichever one you want. Or, like this past week, we had a dog, and we had to go get dog food. You know, there's like 50 varieties of dog food? And we were just like, oh my gosh, like, why does it really matter? It's dog food. And so we're, we're looking through it. That's, a, that's that consumeristic mentality, I think, that we have that we unintentionally bring into church a lot of times. Well, that naturally, that consumeristic mental, mentality naturally rolls itself into how we view leadership in the church. And so a pastor many times is a a hired professional to teach the Word on Sunday morning, to maybe help you understand the Bible more, to counsel through difficulties that may come, come up in life. If you ever get put in the hospital, you expect the pastor to be there, you know, coming and visiting with you. So we have all these expectations that we also place on a pastor that can become very overwhelming. Now at Red Sea we don't have pastors, we have elders, but I'm using the word pastor because it's most familiar to everybody. Uh, And so many times that that pastor becomes overwhelmed with responsibilities, uh, such as, you know, the organization of the church, so we need ministries, we need programs, so I'm going to need you to do an athletic program, because I really like athletics, and so we need a softball team for, for the church, and the pastor needs to organize us a softball team, you know, and, uh, and we need uh, missions, and so, okay, the pastor needs to go on to organize missions, and so you typically have one or two people inside of a church wearing a lot of hats, you know, and they're doing a lot of things typically that they're not gifted to do, and that's when it turns really bad, you know, when they're forced into a gifting that they're not good at, and it, and it looks really poorly. So we've identified this as a church. We've identified our natural tendency toward be con- to be consumers, to inwardly focus, and we're trying to be very proactive against that. We're trying to raise up this thing that we call the priesthood of believers, and so that, and that basically, if that's an unfamiliar term, it, it means that we're all called to the work of the ministry, you know, it's not something that just a few people do who went to seminary and who get paid by the church. We are all gospel bears. You know, Jesus was talking to all of us in Acts when he told us to go out and to preach the, to preach the good news to, to all the world. Uh, and so that's something we're, we're constantly working against. So on top of this tendency to naturally be very inwardly focused, uh, the church is also uh, a place that is easily to get hurt and get sinned against, Right? You know why? It's full of sinners. Yeah, it's full of people. And so you have a gathering of people that are coming together an assembly of people that are still very sinful. Now Jesus is sanctifying us. We're still sinning against ourselves on a regular basis. We're constantly working, working about restoring our relationships and finding healing. And so that's something that involves a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of resources, right, to, to be able to do that. Now when it happens the right way, it's a beautiful picture of the gospel. You know, when, when a group of people are, are living in community together and sometimes they're sinning against one another and then they're confessing that sin and being restored, there's forgiveness. You know, that's something that I think is so incredibly unique to the church. It's something so beautiful that the world can look in and see, how can you guys do that? Like, how can you guys be together for years and years and years as a, as a community? Typically, the only place you really see that outside of the church is, you know, in some families and Most of our families are pretty dysfunctional. You know, when we're honest about it, we can't stand to be around our families. But here at the church is a beautiful place where we can come together and we can really serve one another. So the reason I kind of went into all that, I think the deacons play a very valuable role in creating this unity in the church and allowing um, the elders of the church to focus on what God has asked them to do, which is the ministry of the word and prayer. And the deacons then are to come behind them and help facilitate the operation of the church they're to help facilitate meeting many of the needs of the church. I would even say a lot of the pastoral counseling that happens in the church, those types of things, I believe God can really raise up deacons inside the church to do. But when we look at Red Sea, that's not really what we have. We have uh, a few elders that uh, are carrying a lot of the load of The daily responsibility of the church and so we're trying to work against that i have to you know come before you guys and confess i've led us into this you know one of my biggest apprehensions in returning to the ministry was this idea of this one guy that does everything you know and that and that does the all the daily operation of the church and is supposed to have this incredible pastoral gifting and is supposed to teach the word and is supposed to start all the ministries and lead us in admission and all that uh, but I have done that as I've stepped in and kind of looking back over the last uh, seven, almost eight months here at Red Sea, um, I got into it, and as things came up, I just did it, you know? I was like, okay, a needs, a needs rise, the church pays me, I'm there, and, and I will start doing it. And so I've got my hands in a lot of different pots trying to do a lot of different things as I was reading through Acts, you know, over the last couple of weeks, and I haven't, I haven't uh, taught for the last three weeks, it was such a... A good reminder for me to say, God, what has God called me here to do? What is he asking of me to do? And then what am I accepting that he does not want me to be doing? And then what do we do with that as a, as a church? So I need to confess to you guys and ask forgiveness. I think I've led you poorly. Um, and so I need you guys to give me a certain amount of accountability as we move forward that to not do things that I shouldn't be doing you know, and to let things go. My wife is so good about constantly reminding me to not take on responsibility. You don't. You shouldn't do that because you're overwhelming yourself and, and you're creating, not only am I doing a bunch of things that I shouldn't be doing, what I should be doing, I'm very, doing very little, which is studying the word and prayer and the ministry of the word going out. Um, so hopefully this will be an incredible time today and, and I think something that God has really, uh, working and instituting in Red Sea and leading us through. A year ago when we talked about Luke and Acts, um, the elders said, man, I can't wait till we get to deacons. Like That's going to be so fun to walk through that and then to establish deacons in, in our church because that's something we haven't done for a very long time at Red Sea. And, uh, and we're going to be doing that, uh, not today, but we're going to be recognizing some people uh, that we would say meet the qualifications of deacons. And we're asking you as the, as the body to speak into that decision. To say, you know what, Uh, there's a character issue there that I don't believe that person meets that qualification. Uh, You may be in community with one of these people more than we are. And so we want to include you guys in this decision. And then later in September, we'd actually be establishing deacons. So where do we get deacons from? Where do we get this whole idea from? It's in Acts 6. And I would ask you guys to stand as we read the word. And we're going to read Acts 6, verses 1 through 6. Actually, we're going to go all the way through 7 to start off. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. You can have a seat. And so what we see here is a picture of the, the church, what we would believe laying the foundations for the establishment of deacons. Now, uh, a lot of times when we think of the, the church in Acts, the New Testament church, we look at this utopia of of, of church. It's this ultimate goal that every church wants to reach. And, and we see them as sharing their possessions with one another. Uh, and we see people getting saved and being baptized and, and repenting. Uh, we see them uh, holding one another accountable to the sin that's in their life. All these incredible things. But then as we, as we continue to read the story, we also see sin creeping up in the church. Uh, last week it was Ananias and Sapphira as they were envious of being recognized in the church. I mean, pride is so prevalent among any of people wanting recognition, and so they, they wanted recognition, and there was a consequence for that, as they lied to the church, and they tested the spirit of God. and the consequence we talked about last week is they were killed by God because of that. And so it was really interesting this week to talk in our home community about that, to talk about who we are as the church, and what are we supposed to be, and if we settled for something less than that, and how serious do we need to be as a church about sin? In, inside of the church. And about walking with, no, with one another in that and calling each other out in that, that's going to be something that's going to be, I think, very unique for us as a body when we see sin and we don't just passively sit by, but we address it and we're in community with one another. And, and Billy posed that question of, would you sell something, would you sell your guitar that you love so much if somebody else had a need? Would you sell something that you loved for somebody else to be able to pay their bills and, and so for us as a home community to talk that through and say, Man, we got a long way to go you know, it's kinda of where we, we came out as by by God's spirit we see some really good things, we're heading the right direction, but we need, to, we need to make a lot of ground. So not only Ananias and Sapphira, not only was sin creep, creeping up in pride, we see it here in this first, uh, chapter in, uh, first couple of verses in chapter 6, is once again the church was sinning against itself. And specifically there was a group of people, they were Hellenistic widows, that were being left out of the distribution of food, and so the church has an obligation, has a joy in providing for the widows of the of the community. That's something that is emphasized over and over again by Jesus, um, by the, later in the epistles by Paul. You see that multiple times coming up over and over again. Well, this group of people had began to basically be racist against one another they were practicing ethnic superiority so you remember in, in, in Acts 2 when the church uh, when the Spirit came they spoke in foreign languages you know they spoke in multiple languages and multiple people from foreign language from foreign regions had come to G, had come to Jerusalem for Pentecost now they were all brought into the church so now you have this really cool ethnic blending of the church well what that brought was two groups that we see here we see Jews that were Raised in Jerusalem, and their language was Hebrew, and they were the that's what it says, the Jews, the Hebraic Jews. And then you had Hellenistic Jews, so these would have been Jews that most likely were born outside of Jerusalem because they didn't speak Hebrew, they spoke Greek as their, as their main language. So the Hebrews are neglecting the Greek widows and not allowing them to, to eat, to have the food when it's, when it's passed out. They're making sure that their widows are taken care of, but not caring about this other group. And this isn't something that's new for the church or for Christians by any means. Jesus addressed this in, uh, with, the, uh, with the disciples. Remember when, uh, when they asked to rain fire down on the Samaritans? You know, they, they constantly were, were racist against the Samaritans. There was superiority there. Um, we see it here. We're going to see it even in the fact that the, the, the disciples and the apostles, they haven't even taken the gospel to the Gentiles yet. And that's what Jesus said. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. And they were just doing it in Jerusalem for the most part. It's not going to be until Acts 10 when God comes to Peter in a vision and really lights Peter's fire to take that gospel to all nations. And so something sin arises in the church. They're sinning against one another. What is the solution that the apostles come up with? They recognize a need. Uh, of the, the daily distribution of food. It's a very tangible need. Well, let's pick out from among all of the disciples. There's many thousands of them at this point. And they say, let's just pick out seven to, uh, to be the deacons. And so they pick out these seven guys to basically facilitate the needs of the church. And these, this group... Of servants is where we would get the idea or the term deacon because it's pretty it 's pretty close so if you have a handout if you grabbed one, uh, I would encourage you you can you can read through this or you can just take it take it home with you afterwards we 're going to walk through some of this and explains to us what a deacon is um, and this is something that the the elders um, uh, Royce had put together and brought to us and we tweaked it and added some things to it, uh, and really wanted to put this out to you guys as saying, this is where we stand as a church on deacons. Um... And we're just going to kind of walk through it. I'm not going to hit everything in here. I'm just going to kind of hit what I think we need to know this morning. But I would encourage you to take it home and, and, and to, uh, to read it later. We'll start off with the idea of, of deacon. Where do we get the term deacon from? Well, deacon can be translated several different ways. It can be translated as a, someone as a, who's a servant. We see that in 1 Corinthians 3, 5. Uh, someone that's serving. Uh, someone who is a, uh, translated as a minister in Matthew 25 or even ministry in Ephesians 4. So, so deacons servant, Servant, minister, these words are, are many times translated the same way. They can be looked at uh, synonymously. Uh, but we see, uh, as we look into that, as we look at the word deacon, at the word servant, we would say, well, what's the, the main role of a person that's a deacon or a servant? Where do we see that in the Scriptures? And you see four different types of servants or deacons uh, in, in the New Testament. You see the first one? Servants of social designation, uh, so that would be like the wedding, the servant at the wedding feast in John 25, uh, someone that had duties of hospitality in Luke 10, 40, or are those who took care of the physical needs of others. Uh, second, servants are those who give themselves to the service of another person, so hum- humbly submitting to... Another person, Paul is called as a minister, a servant of the gospel in Colossians. Tychicus is called as a minister of the Lord in Ephesians. Timothy is God's servant in, uh, in Thessalonians. And uh, and third, the terminology of deacon is used in the New Testament to refer to a specific role within the local church. That's the one we're going to focus on here today. Is we believe the deacon is a role in the church, and and you see plenty of examples of this. Paul and Timothy open their salutation, calling themselves. Um, uh, they, they designate three different groups. They say there's the whole members, the saints, which is in Philippians 1, 1. Then they make a distinction between all of the members, all the saints, the overseers or the elders, which is a, a term we feel synonymous, and the deacons. Similarly, in 1 Timothy 3, Paul makes a distinction between the qualifications of those who are elders and those who are deacons. So they lay out for us these these three different roles in the church or groups in the church, all the saints, the elders, and and the, uh, and the deacons. So what exactly does a, a deacon do? What can we look at Acts 6 and see the role of what is this person, what is this role supposed to be? And, and the first one is a deacons, they serve to, to facilitate the physical needs of the church. The widows being neglected as an example in in Acts 6 uh, basically any logistical, uh, basically as the church grew, there was lots of, of areas that were just going to pop up that they needed people to plug in there. So there's a lot of logistics to it. And they set aside these deacons to facilitate the growth of the church, uh, as the disciples were increasing in number. Uh, we also see the deacons serving, um, the church as a, as a community that really works to, uh, have unity and harmony in the church. As an issue rose, they picked out these guys to not only address the issue but what 's the, the heart issue behind it the what 's the heart issue behind why we are sinning against one another in this way, uh, which was the problem of the neglect of the widows. Uh, this had created disunion in the church, and so these guys were established to create unity to address those issues that constantly pop up when a group of people get together and begin to sin against one another so the flip side of that is. These people that we're installing as deacons that we are recommending to you guys as deacons are, pre, are people that work to create unity in the church, not disunity in the church. And so that's something that we can go and hold them accountable to of how they're doing that. And I would encourage you guys to continue to walk with us on that journey and accountability with them and also with us. Third, deacons serve to teach the word of God by freeing up the elders to focus on what the passage says here in Acts 6, the ministry of the word and prayer. And that's kind of what I came to you guys with the start of the message is there's so many things that, that I feel like I've, I've stepped into that I, I shouldn't be doing. I can do them. And to be honest with you guys, I kind of enjoy it because I'm a task type of guy and I enjoy doing all the little task things. That was kind of my background of what I did before I, before I got into the ministry is I was in, in business management and I enjoyed that. But if there's very clear roles pointed out here, And I know that God is saying, hey, I want you to do this. I want you to dedicate yourself to the ministry of the word, to teaching and to prayer. I have to learn to let those things go and especially empower and equip you guys to uh, to, serve in, to serve in those ways. And then fourthly, deacons serve the mission of the church by facilitating the operation of the church in a way that it results in the spreading of the gospel, the disciples multiplying, and the lives being transformed. That's what you see happen in verse 7 here. When the deacons really stepped up to begin to serve the church, look what is produced out of this. The church continues to grow, you know, Lives continue to be transformed, and the word of God continues to go out and to, uh, and to spread. So, uh, what are the qualifications for someone who's a deacon? Uh, first off, you've got to be a Christian. That has to be evidence in a, in a lifestyle of public, professional, to faith, baptism. That we've seen in your life, and then you living a life that is consistent with uh, with fo- with being a follower of Christ. Uh, you have to exhibit sound Christian character according to the qualifications of First Timothy. Uh, so we're going to actually look at First Timothy here. It's First Timothy chapter three verses eight through thirteen. If you have your Bible, you're welcome to look at it. If not, we're going to have it up on the screen. And so this is Paul talking to Timothy, and he's saying, "Hey, I want you to establish elders and deacons in the church uh, at Ephesus." We talked about this at our men's breakfast yesterday morning. Here's the Qualifications for someone that's a deacon, and if these words are a little unfamiliar, I want to explain what each one of them is. Uh, so, the the first qualification we see in First Timothy is they have to be dignified, which is honorable, respectable. They cannot be double tongued, which is devious in speech. They have to be honest and truthful. Not addicted to much wine. We would say, or any other harmful uh, substance, uh, habits, or addictions. Not greedy for dishonest gain, whether that's financial or social. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, which is hold the sound theology and the gospel. Not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Um, must be a one-woman man, which we would believe translates to com- they must be a committed and faithful to their spouse. Uh, managing their children and their household well. Uh, they must be competent in serving others. Uh, Acts 6 3. There must be a good repute, which is a good reputation and integrity. And then a few that aren't up there, but we see in Acts 6. They must be full of the Spirit, which is demonstrating the blessings and empowering of the Holy Spirit. And they must be full of wisdom, which is effective and practical discernment. And, and overall, they must be on mission with us at Red Sea as they're, as they're continuing to, put, to push forward in our mission and our ministry as a church. And we would say their personal skills come secondary to having a servant's attitude and caring for the unity of the church. That's the big thing for us. As we looked at the body, we said, who has a servant's attitude and who cares for the unity of the church? Those are the people that we want serving. Those are the people that we want to put before you guys as uh, as the deacons. And so along with deacons, we also see elder in the church. So I just want to briefly talk a little bit about what's the difference between deacon and elder. Because in a lot of churches, deacon is a step to elder. In a lot of churches, uh, deacon is also just someone that, that serves the Lord's Supper and doesn't ever do anything else. I've been a part of those churches where the deacons are the guys that pass the Lord's Supper but then they never serve in any other way. That's not what we believe they are. So we believe these deacons are the servants. They're working toward unity in the church, serving the elders by allowing them to focus on the word. Uh, so what exactly is, is an elder and what does an, an elder uh, do? Uh, we see also uh, basically four or five different things that elders are called to. They are appointed in, in Acts fourteen twenty three, 23, um, we see that, that elders are to rule. Uh, we see that elders are to oversee, elders are to teach, elders are to pray over, and elders are to shepherd the people in their care. And so out of all the responsibilities between deacons and, and elders, the only two that we feel the deacons are not held accountability to is the ruling of the church, the overseeing of the church, and being able to teach. We would we would say that all other uh, qualifications really apply to, to both groups there when it comes to uh, Christian maturity and, and those qualifications lined out in in first in first Timothy and I would just add kind of on top of that something that I really noticed as I was as I was struggling as I was studying the the scriptures um, the seven people that they pointed out here uh, do you guys know much about those seven people you know Stephen, which we're going to talk about next week, uh, which is probably why Luke says here in Acts he's a a, a man full of faith because he's he's about to do something really faithful and really cool, and he's going to lose his life for it next week. Um, Philip, which we're not thinking, we're not sure if that's Philip uh, with the Ethiopian eunuch that we're going to get to uh, also in a couple of chapters. It's a different Philip. Uh, You have a list of guys that you never hear of again. Isn't that interesting? You know what happened to these guys? They served the church behind their, the scenes their entire life. They, they didn't go out and church plant, from what we know of. Uh, they were chosen to serve this particular church. They were probably Greek-speaking Jews, because that was the problem that we were having, was, was specifically people that had a heart for those, for those widows. These people just served the church and then we never know about them about them again we never know what they did maybe they lost their lives when the temple was destroyed in 80s 80, in 80, 70. maybe they were part of that group that left and went to pella during during that time and then came back and just just loved the church and cared for the church and sacrificed the church through a long term Walked with the church on this journey, I love that, and as I think about the people that, that we have that we 've chosen or that we 've said we believe meet the qualifications, they line up with that over and over again they're, they're people that just love to serve they're people that don 't want to stand up here on stage uh, they want to they want to serve the church behind the scenes in any way necessary so you can see definitely a difference between what a deacon 's called to and then what the elders are called to the ministry of the word um, and to prayer. So tangibly, what would that look like in the church? Like here at Red Sea, what would, that, what would that look like? There is a wide variety of things the church could do. Uh, we've come up with a, a, just a small list of them, uh, which we think are, are typical in most churches. When we looked at healthy churches that had deacons, we saw deacons operating in this role. And what we saw is uh, deacons were over the children's uh, ministry, we would say community, a deacon over, our, over maturing our children, raising up leaders in that area. Potentially, I would say deacon over youth at some point, when we all have kids that actually get older than five and six at some point. Uh, we're going to have a killer youth ministry in like ten years. Um, I would say deacons would do that. Deacons would be over the benevolence uh, ministry, the mercy of the church. As someone comes in, they have a need physically, whether they need money. They need to be taken somewhere to a shelter. A deacon would say, you know, I want to step into that role and serve the church in that way. They would do the facilities, the building, uh, building facilities of the church, the groundskeeping Uh, Sunday morning gathering. Uh, Most of our deacons uh, that we are going to be recommending to you guys function in facilitating the role of the Sunday morning gathering. That's the area that we've seen them serve the most at. And so I think that's a very vital role, but that's only one of these roles that I think most of our deacons are going to fall into. Uh, We also have uh, financial administration. Um, I, I truly believe so many things in the church that we naturally assume I have to go and pay somebody for a deacon could do. Man, if somebody was, was gifted fina- with uh, being able to do numbers, had integrity, and, and we could really trust with the church's finances, um, we'd love to be able to see somebody step into that role as a deacon. Music and worship, service to our community or service projects, the relationships we have with these local schools, working with AC Portland and James John Elementary. Technology. Back in the back, back there, the guys that are running our sound, our website, any of our media that we use to communicate with our community, event hospitality. We put on a music workshop here this past week, uh, and probably very few of us even knew it went on. You know, but, but that was because we had a need. Someone came to us and said, hey, can we use your facilities? And we said, yeah, we'd love to be able to bless you. in that way we're constantly having that uh, go on. Now, baptism and communion, office administration, visitor follow-up, and discipleship resources. So those are just a few that we thought of. Uh, Royce came up with this list as he went through it and we added one or two to it. I went back and I read it after he got it. And I was ashamed to say, I do 10 of the 15 things on this list. You know, like I, I was like, wow, like I, I'm doing all types of things that, I, that God's not calling me to do. And I am robbing the church from being able to, to use their gifting in so many different areas of ministry. And so for me, it's a challenge to be obedient. And for you guys, I would also see it as a challenge to be obedient of is God calling you to step into one of these roles is he is he asking you to lead? Is he asking you to be a deacon and how has he gifted you to do that uh, to serve to, to serve the bride? Uh, which is, a, which is a, you know like I said, a huge challenge for me this past week, and I would also hope it would be the same for you guys. Uh, and then on top of that, uh, we would also believe, uh, when you look at these qualifications, when you look at all the areas that deacons could potentially serve in, uh, then we have to say who exactly can do that. And we believe, as we've studied the Scriptures, that the, the position, the title of deacon is open to both, both men and women at Red Sea. And let's look real quick at what that would look like. And there's a section in this about women as deacons. If you wanted to wanted to turn to that, because I don't want you guys to think we're trying to manipulate scripture in this at all, but we're being tr- trying to be true to what the, what the scripture says. So why do we think women could be deacons? Well, what you see in First Timothy three eight through thirteen in those qualifications as Paul Paul's qualifications, he seems to distinguish between men and women deacons in verse eleven. And he, the word he uses says wives, but it's actually translated women. And when I read that, I was like, really? And so I flipped my Bible over to First Timothy, opened up to chapter three, verse eleven, and it said, it said, uh, it said, their wives. But it had a little little end note beside it. I was like, well, what's that end note? Go to the bottom. Also women can be translated women. And so we believe that it says that the the word is literally women, that Paul could have been addressing the qualifications of the wives of the male leader, of the male deacons. That's a possibility, but we think that's unlikely because he never does that for the qualifications of the wives of elders. Why halfway through the qualifications of deacons would he then say, and then if your wife wants to do it, here's her, if, 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 If you guys that are married have wives, here's the qualifications of your wives to be the wife of a deacon. Why would you do that just for deacons and not do that for eldership? So we believe probably what we can most likely say is that he was talking to women specifically there. And in verse 11 he says now, here's the qualifications of deacons specifically for you that are women deacon. Here's these four things. That, that really want to be evident in your life uh, to be able to, to lead. So more likely, Paul was thinking of both men and women when describing these qualifications. And so you're sitting there saying, okay, you're stretching it a little bit. Like, he says they're wives, he says they're women. Either one, he's not talking about women as a separate role. Well, there's some other examples. Um, we would say specifically the qualifications for uh, being an elder says men, Right? It says you have to be a man to be an elder. That, that position in the church is, we believe, very biblically, very clear. It's for men. He never does that for women. He never, says, he never does that for deacons. Paul never says, in order to be a deacon, you have to be a man. Which is really interesting. Do you think that's an oversight by Paul? Wouldn't wouldn't seem so. And then I think one of the clearest examples for me is in Acts sixteen one. I mean in Romans sixteen one, Paul says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant, deacon, minister of the church. And the word servant can be translated to deacon. And this phrasing seems to indicate a role of deacon, not just that she was a helpful person. So we have Paul we believe saying, here's, if you're going to be a, a woman and be a deacon, here's some qualifications for you. And he never says that they can't when he goes through eldership. I mean, he never says that, uh, uh, that deaconship is limited only to men. And then even in Romans, he specifically says, Phoebe, a deacon of the church. So that's where we would get that from. If you disagree with that, if you disagree with that interpretation, I would love to talk to you guys about that. That's why we're not installing deacons today. We're just bringing it before you guys. We're bringing all the information because we would like for you to speak into it. We would like for you to go into it, to read and study it yourself, and uh, and then later in September is when we actually want to want to install our deacons. So who is it? As we've looked and we've really felt that these are the people that meet these uh, qualifications. If they're here, I would ask that uh, that you just raise your hand because we want to be able to see you and say, okay. Okay, I see who that person is. What do I know about that person? Where have I seen that person in community? Is there something in their life that I would believe that would disqualify them from being from being a deacon? Uh, the only two that aren't here are the first ones, which are Russell and Amy Gilkey. Uh, they're a couple that we believe meets the qualifications of deacons. They have served the church faithfully for seven years in any area necessary. Uh, and, and so they were one of the people that automatically popped in our mind. Russell was actually installed as a deacon years ago, uh, over five years ago here at Red Sea with a few other guys that are no longer at the church, uh, and so he is someone that we wanted to affirm, but also say this is somebody that we believe we can continue to get behind, that meets a qualification that has a servant heart. Amy and Russell are out of town this weekend, and so uh, they just said they apologize that they had planned Plan some stuff out way ahead in advance. Uh, we also recognize uh, Rebecca Chu. Rebecca's right over here as a, as a deacon of Red Sea. Uh, someone that that has served the church faithfully um, that meets the qualifications. Jim Tung. Jim's right there. There's Jim as a, as our as a deacon. Uh, Robin dalkey as one of our deacons. That uh, Robin. Oh, she's serving. What the heck? Uh, uh, Robin is one of our, our deacons. So. Uh, Lance can introduce you to her if, if you need to know her. And then Doug Fuller, and Doug Fuller's right back here on our back row. So when we just started, we just looked at the body and said, you know, these six people, we really say let's go ahead and, and, and get behind. Uh, over the next month, we would ask you guys as the body to pray over them, uh, to talk to them, to watch them, and and uh, and really be able to as a body come before uh, them at the end of September, and we're going to lay hands on them and we're going to commission them. We're going to establish them as deacons, as servants in, in the church. Sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. Yeah, We once again, we're trying to break down that that uh, that mentality of okay, here's the few people that serve, and the rest of us, the rest of us don't. Like we said at, at the beginning, Act six, we would say lays a foundation. For, for deacons, that is later clarified in First Timothy, which we get a lot more information. So, so yeah, there was already a problem happening. Uh, these people were already serving. And, and you guys, that, there's so many areas, I think, that we can continue to, to step up of. And some of us can't be deacons because we just don't have the capacity at the time. We have other obligations on our time to be able to really serve the church in a specific area. Some of these areas that we laid out do involve at a certain amount of time. An investment, And so you'd really have to pray and say, you know, is that something God's calling me to? And then don't, I don't want to create the mentality of, well, I'm just going to wait around for the church to, to call me a deacon. The people that we identified were already doing the, the work, and we're just giving them the title. We're not even adding more responsibility onto them. We're just saying, hey, we looked out and we saw you guys being deacons. We want to affirm you in that. And then we want to continue to challenge you guys, us all, to step up into that and to step up into using your gifting and and serving the church. Does that make sense? Okay, any other questions? Uh, There was one that said they did not have the capacity right now, but if things changed in the future, they were open to that. Anybody else? Yeah, what we're going to do is in over the next month, we want to meet with these people and clarify their role because they, the, you're not a deacon of nothing. Uh, They are deacon and have specific responsibilities. Uh, And we've kind of outlined those and looked at them Uh, with one of them. We've, what did I say? we we've, uh, we've looked at what they were doing and, and said, you know, we think you're a deacon in this specific area. First, let's pray about it. If and open it up to the body to speak into that, and then we'll clarify that role. But I think all of them we've had that conversation with, in a, in a small way. Um, but I think what you're going to see is we're going to have deacons in a few areas, and we're going to have tons of room for for growth and, and a lot of different ones. Um, so it's going to be a great challenge for us as a, as a as a church. Anybody else? Text your questions to Red Sea. Um. Driscoll pun. Uh, so what we're going to do now is is we're going to wrap up this this last passage of scripture here, and I'm going to invite uh, our 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 musicians to come back up and to lead us in worship. Uh, I would encourage you guys read this document. It it what I didn't talk about was how do you install deacons? How do you remove deacons? I think that's something you guys can can read over. Take this home. If you have any questions about it, please email me, call me. Um, love to talk with you about it and answer any further. I'm just excited about. About empowering the church, you know, and, and especially of saying, okay, what is it that you're going to do here? When we really put aside a lot of our misconceptions of what the church is, and focus on what it should be in the scriptures, and what we what we see it what we see it here as. So we're going to wrap up in, in reading verse seven here. I want to invite you guys to stand. I want to invite our musicians to to come back up, and uh, we're going to spend some time worshiping, responding in in communion. Uh, to the, to the word. Uh, so in seven, I love how this, this section ends. After they established the, the deacons, they meet the church, they meet the needs of the church. Look what it says in verse seven. And the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of priests became obedient to the faith. The word of God, is, it's given life. It's actually something that's growing and it's increasing. And as the word in God increases and the deacons have a part in that and the elders have a part in that, look at what is produced out of that. The number of disciples multiplied greatly and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. That's why we want to be obedient to the scriptures today. We want to see the word of God increase at Red Sea. We want to see the the body grow in its gifting and, and people come into the faith, come to know about Jesus as their savior. So let's pray. We'll come to communion. We'll take the Lord's Supper and, uh, and we'll worship. Father, uh, thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you for how it really does convict our hearts. God, I feel like over the last few weeks, you've convicted my heart of sin of uh, not being willing to let go, uh, arrogance, and how I think something should be done, uh, of not empowering the priesthood, of being a hindrance. And so, Father, I confess that to you, and I confess that to my family, uh, asking to walk in that, uh, asking for them to walk with me in this journey. Uh, God, I would also ask for the filling of your Holy Spirit into the lives of your church to continue to raise us up into this body. I thank you for the gifting that we have. I thank you so much that there's so many areas of our church that people serve even now. Everyone around us is serving uh, and they're doing it because it's their joy and it's their heart. And it's such an incredibly beautiful picture of your bride and of the church. But we have so much farther we need to go, God. So build us up. Fill us with your spirit. Uh, Make us this, this holy temple all built up into Christ Jesus. That's what we want. So Father, as we, as we pray and as we come to your tables, we do uh, what Nathan was talking about at the beginning. We recognize who you are. We recognize what you've done, who we are in light of that and what we should do. Um, may you continue to, to work inside of us for your glory and for your, for your kingdom. I ask us the name of your son because there's power. Thank you for listening to this message from Red Sea Church. If you would like more information about Red Sea, including more audio messages, please go to our website at www.redseachurch.org. If you would like to contact Red Sea, you can email us at info at redseachurch.org.